Welcome to Circle YXC Podcast. My name is Paul and I'm one of the pastors here at Circle. Now today is a little bit different. Today I'm going to be doing the podcast alone. Austin is working hard on prepping our Alpha Online course, which is an amazing virtual place that we, we host every Thursday. And we have this place to ask questions of faith, life, questions about God, and everything in between. Here at Circle, we love Alpha. And we love it so much because our own DNA here at Circle is to create space for people to ask questions, to wonder, and to be safe in their search and in their journey of faith. So Alpha and Circle go hand in hand and we love it. So Alpha, uh, so Austin is there. Now for me, uh, really, if I'm honest, part of me, I would say the shadow side of me. Yes, we all have the shadow side that we need to invite God into for our healing and awareness. But this shadow side of me wants to use this opportunity to really kind of tease Austin, really. And, you know, and really what I love giving Austin a hard time about is his lifelong fandom of the Montreal Canadiens. Now, we do align together in our dislike of the Boston Bruins, which you may have heard in the previous podcast. But I do love teasing Austin about the Montreal Canadiens. Now, of course, the argument would be that Montreal has the history on their side. So many Stanley Cup championships, so many, you know, golden eras, so many different winners, so many different captains that are, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But really, come on, let's be honest. Those things were done when players were playing on wooden blades and used a potato as a puck. And really in sports, it's what have you done for me lately? And what the Habs have done lately to their fans is break their hearts. We, of course, here at Circle have quite a few Hab fans in our community. And that's why I'm daily reminded to pray for our people. Now, I am sure I'm going to get a whole bunch of texts about this, but I'm just having fun with Austin. And, uh, and I'm sure he's going to come back with something next week. But Austin, come on, Montreal Canadiens, seriously, come on. Anyways, today I'm going to continue on our seven postures in time of fear. And today I'm going to look at the tricky posture, posture of wisdom. So those of you that know me each year, I kind of have a prayer time and discernment time where I kind of find what is my word for the year. And often God reveals that in different ways for me. And, uh, and each year I have a word that kind of guides my thinking, my prayer life, my reading. And this year it has been wisdom. So it's kind of funny that that's one of the postures. And um, it's something I've been really praying about all year. And wisdom is such a big topic. We can go in a few directions for sure in this podcast. Um, but I want to just be honest. This podcast will not answer all your questions about wisdom. But I do want to look at wisdom from a certain perspective. I want to look at through the lens of three wisdom books in the Bible. Through the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. For me, they are the lens about wisdom and about life. And I really have been enjoying uh, lately the Bible Project series. And they have done an amazing job unpacking different themes in the Bible, different books in the Bible, different characters. And they have an amazing um, series on the books of wisdom on Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Job. So you can simply Google that um, Bible Project wisdom series and the videos will come up and they're just excellent. So I do echo some of the things they say here in this short podcast. But again, this is not all in all. This is just my perspective on wisdom and how to... Um, how to answer the question of how do we have a posture to be wise? How do we have a posture of wisdom in this time of fear? So how do we live well 
in this world? This is the question that I think the ageless and foundational question that these books ask. They ask, how do we live well in the world we find ourselves in? This is really wisdom. How do we live well in this world? Well, we all live in a world that is complicated and difficult at times. And let's be honest, it's more complicated and more difficult for some than for others. So how do we live well in whatever time we find ourselves in, in our world? How do we navigate times of pandemic? How do we navigate our difficult neighbors? How do we have extra grace that's required for some of our family members, right? These are the questions um, of being wise. These are the things that are looking at wisdom. And it's easy to see, especially in this time of pandemic, so many conspiracy theories, so many different answers, so much fear. Really, we are bombarded with so many conflicting reports about even the illness, about political agendas, about ideologies, um, ideologies. It can be hard to know what to do or what to listen to or where to go. Reality is technology has made the world small. And this is actually a really good and positive thing. I love that we have technology. I love the ability to figure out this podcasting thing, to be able to do this okay. I, I love the fact that we can stream our services online and have reached to all over the world and to share the good news of Jesus. This is all really, really good stuff. But all of these things, including technologies, have the shadow side, right? Like I said earlier, we all have a shadow side. We can even use technology to tease our friends, tease them about sports or much worse. We can find ourselves in a place of fear because of the misinformation that is coming at us so fast and so loud. So being wise in this time is crucial. So wisdom for me starts with that question that I kind of said just a few minutes ago. How do we live well in this world we find ourselves in? Because when we are able to answer this, we can come to a place of how to live the good life, right? We all want to have a good life. We all want to make sense of life. We all want the best in life. So for me, the biblical perspective on understanding the good life actually starts with the idea of fear of the Lord. Now, that's a hard statement when you first hear it and when you try to understand it. And we've heard people uh, preach on it and some have done a really good job. Some have done um, not so good of a job on fear of the Lord. It can be used as a way to fear monger, to confuse people. But when I look at fear of the Lord through the lens of the three wisdom books in the Bible, what I see is, is the fear of the Lord makes sense the most is in when we trust what fear of the Lord is. And that is for me is trusting that God's, and this is really important, trusting that God's definition of good and evil is the best definition for life. And that's how Bible describes the fall of humanity, really, right? We have uh, creation. We have things that Bible explains that God creates that are good. Then he creates humanity, which is people who are image bearers of God. And he says, this is the pinnacle of creation. This is very, very good. And so far, we, what we see is that people are living within this idea of God's definition of what is good and what is evil. And we see right away in the Bible that the first humans, the first humanity, that Adam and Eve were convinced, were tempted, were tricked, that God's definition of good and evil was not the best way to live their life for them. And we, of course, know where this leads them. They are tempted and they fall for it. They say, yeah, this is not the best definition. So they choose 
to define good and evil for themselves and they fall. So true wisdom for me is learning those boundary lines that God presents, understanding the guardrails, the supports uh, that he puts in place to protect us. Because the shadow side, the tempting side of things seems to want to say, this is God's way to control you. But these things are actually there to keep us safe and to have the good life. You know, to use an imagery of driving on a mountain highway, it can be fun and exhilarating and a little bit scary, but the guardrails on the side of the highway are there to protect us, to make sure that we don't go crashing off the cliff. It's there for us, not against us. That's kind of the imagery I'd like to use in this, in this part of the, the guardrails or the boundaries that God puts in place. So for me, the fear of the Lord is really understanding that God's definition of good and evil is really the best definition. I mean, think about, you know, let's, let's just be a little bit honest here. Let's think about, let's think about how many times in life uh, for you or for your loved, loved ones that they have been um, not so wise with their money. Or maybe you have been not so wise with your money or with your relationships or employment. And maybe you stepped outside of the boundaries. Or maybe you've seen loved ones or friends step outside of those boundaries. And you know things would have been so much better have they not done that. Have you, maybe if you have not done that. And stepping outside of those boundaries of marriage, finances, employment, brought destruction, debt, termination, and brokenness. So wisdom calls us to consider how to live in the boundaries of what God defines as good and evil. And really, most of the book of Proverbs teaches that people that do that seem to do better in long term. People that seem to choose these wise decisions based on what God says is good and what, says, and what God says to avoid seem to do better in long term. Now, of course, we need to be honest. We certainly know people who have been wise, who lived within the guardrails, who lived within these boundaries, who have taken what God says is good and evil seriously, and yet bad things happen to them. They get sick, they lose their job, their spouse leaves. Things don't always go well just because we are wise. And to me, this is why the book of Job is so important in the Bible as well. It's such a powerful book that shows the good person, Job, a person who's actually better than good. He's righteous, one who does all things right, and yet he loses everything. He is destroyed. The temptation for me is often when I read the books in the Bible is that I know the ending and temptation for me is to jump to the end, to the conclusion, to say, oh, look how good God is. But we need to live in the moment of what it's like to lose everything. Here's a person who's wise and yet things still failed. And what does it cause him to do? He questions God. More than that, he's angry with God. And what I love about this book is that it shows us that God can handle our anger. But we also see, and we're also given a picture of mystery of life and the world. There is more to us than we see. There is more to life than we experience. In this new rebellious world that chose to leave God's boundaries, we have brokenness and evil, and evil that sometimes seems so random. 
God shows Job the great, uh, you know, and Job cries out to God and he's angry at God. And what is amazing in the story is that God shows up. God shows up and shows Job and maybe, and maybe doesn't answer Job the way he wants to be answered, but he shows Job the great and the grand vastness of the universe, the mystery of which we can't even comprehend how complex and, and wonderful all things are. And all of this is to show that God is just. Now, even though Job's assertion, um, even assumption, or even just seeing what has happened to him, that God, this is not just. I mean, how is he, if this happened to him, a good, righteous man, how is God just? And so God shows the complexity of all things to say, God's perspective is infinitely bigger, working all the complexities of the universe at the same time. This shows Job in a place of humility. Now, his answer or his question isn't answered, but God's complexity and vastness and mystery places Job in a posture of humility. He doesn't have the exact answer, but the greatness, the grandness, the vastness, and the beauty of God brings him to humility and get this, to the fear of the Lord. To accept that what God says is good and what God says is evil is evil. And to have that is the best position in life. And this is wisdom. So Proverbs teaches us on one hand that that the best way to live a wise life is to understand that what God defines as good and evil is the best way to live for us. And Job shows us again that even though evil seems to have triumph, even though evil seems to have the final say, it really does not. The fear of the Lord brings us wisdom. That is, it puts us into a place to say God's goodness and God's definition of evil are, is the best way to live life. It brings Job and it ought to bring us into a place of humility in how we live and how we live. Now Jesus brings this all together, right? When he shows up on earth just at the right time, he begins to live out all things that all the prophets, all the teachers, all the authors in the Old Testament, all the uh, rabbis were directing. He begins to fulfill everything that the that the scriptures were pointing to. He is the end. He is the beginning. In Jesus, we begin to see these boundaries and guardrails really play out. Jesus begins to live in humility, even though he's God. He begins to love his enemies. He begins to set a pattern for life that is guided by the boundaries of what God says is good and evil. And these things are revolutionary. Love your enemies. Forgive those who wrong you. Go the extra mile. Be a peacemaker in time of violence. All of these patterns are setting a way to live that is deeply rooted in wisdom. And Jesus, like Job, shows us that there is more going on in life than we see. As he calms the storm for the disciples, as he endures the cross, the evil, the punishment, the burden of the world, we do not need to fear, Jesus shows us, because God is bigger than our fears. In Jesus, we see Job's um, pain played out. We see Jesus treated unfairly. We see Jesus mistreated. And he bears all of that on himself. 
He sets the pattern of life of what it looks like to be guided by the boundaries of what God says is good and evil. And we see that this does not prevent us from having pain and hurt in our lives. Jesus suffers. We have a wounded Savior. We have a wounded Messiah. It shows us that we may not escape all the perils of life, but the good life is found in the way of Jesus. When we live in the pattern he set, when we trust our lives to him, we see life for more than what it is. We see the complexities and the mysteries and the beauties, uh, beauty of the universe and of life. The key to the good life is to live in the way of Jesus. So how do we live in time of fear? How do we become wise? How do we live with wisdom? Well, first and foremost, we take on the boundaries. We take on the pattern. We take on the way of life of Jesus that says the way that God has defined good and evil is the best way to live. So we begin to live in the way of Jesus. So how do we live in in time of fear? We, like the disciples, like the ancients, we look to God. We look to Jesus and humility in humility, in love, we forgive, we endure, we bear, we mourn, we rejoice. To summarize, we love mercy, we act justly, and we walk humbly with our Lord. This is the posture of wisdom. This is the way to live. This is the way to have the good life. This is the way to find hope. We accept God's definition of good and evil, and we live in the way of Jesus. I hope this has been helpful for you. It's been interesting to write, to think, and to do some research on this. The way of wisdom is to live in the way of Jesus. Thank you for joining me. Join us next week at Circle YXE.